right, guys, episode 93 with Seth Watts. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the podcast. Uh, this is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Time Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. Uh, we are continuing on lots of the conversations that we've been having lately, guys, with uh, all the issues that have been, that has been coming up with uh, bear hunting bans and bear hunting cancellations and and predator hunting bans and everything going on. Um, I thought it would be really cool. I've got a really cool dude lined up tonight today. He's on he's on the line now. Seth uh, is a big time bear hunter based out of Northern California. In fact, we were just talking before I hit record, and apparently he's been sneaking through my neck of the woods, and uh, we didn't even know it. So uh, we we've got plans lined up for next time that happens to get together. But uh, Seth Seth Watts is on the line. Seth, how you doing, man? I appreciate you coming on. I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me. Man, I am, uh, I like, as the intro music was playing there, I'm like, damn, that's, I wish I would have known you uh, prior to you going, heading over to that area. I don't want to say the name on, on air here, but uh, where you were bear hunting, um, we, we could have hooked up and, and got a beer, or, or I could have tagged along and taken pictures and recorded an episode, whatever, man. I, I'm blown away you hunt up in this neck of the woods. Yeah, I've, I've been heading up in that area for the last two seasons. Have you? Are you are you coming up this season? Or are you uh, on hold with that? I'm not. I'm not planning to. I'm I'm going to do a spring bear hunt in Idaho this year. Are you? And if I can tag out early, I figured. I told my wife, I go. I'm I'm already halfway there. I'll just head to Montana. There you go. Especially since they changed the 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 rule up there that you can buy a tag and hunt the same day. Is that true? I think that's I think I, that's what they I, did in Montana. I've heard that, but I I. I can't confirm it one way or the other. <laughs> Either way, I'll buy one on on the way there and then hunt the next day, whatever whatever the case may be. But yeah, so, there you go, there you go. Just I figured I'd try a new area this year. I'll definitely be back to that area. Um, just might not be this year. Are you when when you're hunting in Montana? Are you uh, can they bait over there? I, I I don't really know how they. Work I don't. It in Montana. I don't think no. They they cannot bait as far as from what I know. You can't bait in Montana. So it's more this year. Like a spot this year, stop. I think they can hunt with hounds, though. I yes. think that that did pass, but no baiting. Yeah, because uh, I know a guy that I met in Montana the uh, the last year that I was out last year, uh-huh. and he goes to Idaho to bait. Gotcha, gotcha. Baiting's a baiting is a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, my, what, that's they, what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm gonna do in Idaho this year. Yeah, you won't regret it. It's it it helps you be able to be very choosy about what you're going to shoot and and you know and i'm talking kind of out my ass i've never actually shot a bear <laughs> but uh <laughs> i just started bear hunting 
And it was it was just awesome. You, I, I sat there and watched the barrel, and you know all these different bears are hitting it at different times of the day, and and uh, you could just be real selective, and that's kind of what I was doing, and and uh, never never found one that w- was worth it. I was a little short on time anyway, but anyways, you must you must be pretty picky. I'm not super picky, <laughs> but but these bears that were hitting it, two of them had cubs, and the other one that yeah. kept coming in was just like not much bigger than my retriever. So I thought, you know what, yeah. I had I had bigger bears on the camera, but obviously they're big for a reason, and and like knew I was there or something. So anyway, this well, season and that, and died that's, redemption. That's, that's what I think is uh, what people don't understand about baiting is, like you said, you get to be picky. Mm-hmm. You get to you you get the opportunity to make sure that it's not a sow with cubs. Yep. So it's 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 kind of like the the trail cam ban in Utah that just went down. Trail cams help you identify animals in an area. Yeah. That and that's partly how I hunt here in California. We can run trail cameras. I run cameras. This last season, the bear that I took. I had seen on camera. So immediately when I saw that bear, I'm like, okay, this is that, this is one of those bears that I consider a shooter. It's not a sow. It doesn't have cubs. And so it was an easy, you know, cause sometimes you don't have a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. And with baiting, with baiting, it's the same type of thing. You can, you can see what you're going to take without making a mistake, you know, mm-hmm. which I'm sure mistakes happen anyways, but it's going to limit those mistakes. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it just, I I don't know the, the hesitancy. I I don't understand the whole, oh, we can't use hounds. Oh, we can't bait for bears or, you know, all these different rules that come up that I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about. Um, I, I'll never understand it. Like my, my buddy, Nate, who's been on the show, man, he got a huge, huge black bear with a trad bow last year. I I'm still like super happy for him. Because uh, it it was just such a just a monster of a bear, and and he worked his butt off, you know. Uh, but he was baiting, and and if anybody like ever discounts the level of difficulty, as if baiting takes away the hunting aspect of it, has never baited. Like it's hard. It's not it's not easy work. Just getting the bait in and out of there is a is a pain in the ass. But anyway, we'll 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 come back to all this, uh, Seth. I want to. Let's let's talk about you and your background and how you grew up. I know you're in you're in Northern California, um, yep. and you, uh, you I mean your Instagram handle is all about black bears. Um, it, what is it? A bear hunting pursuit or something like that? I had a black up. bear or it's black underscore bear underscore pursuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah black yeah, yeah. bear pursuit. So obviously you like black bear hunting. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, if I had to choose something to hunt that's 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 what i want to hunt i mean not that i don't hunt anything else it's just that's kind of that's the rabbit hole that i've gone down for the last few years where does that come from where did why why black bear hunting and why is it like such a passion so i've I've grown up i've grown up hunting with my with my dad my grandpa and just you know my family and we always hunted deer um but i wouldn't say that it was like you know, we never scouted. We never, it wasn't, it wasn't something I think we took too serious, you know? Yeah. sounds like my family. And it was just a camping trip. Hey, cool. We get an animal. Awesome. Yep. We never, ne- we never talked about hunting bears. It was always deer. And I think it was 2012. 
um, we were hunting an area for deer and, and I had my first bear encounter and we were hunting pretty low elevation, which if anybody follows me on Instagram, they know that's where I love to hunt. Um, Oh really? I want to, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. I'm, I'm interested in, in your perspective on that one. I know a lot, a lot of people are always like, man, you hunt that low. There's bears down there. I'm like, dude, there's a ton of bears. Down there. <laughs> so we had the, we were walking the ridgetop and I came across a tree that was kind of coming up out of one of these drainages and out of the corner of my eye, I saw movement, a tree. And it was, it was a black bear. It was a super pretty color phase um bear and, and i'm glad i didn't have the bear tag because i would have i would have shot it immediately because i you know i just i wasn't very educated on bears and at that point in you know my hunting life so within a few minutes you know she's taken off down the tree and she left her and then we saw the two cubs so she took off ran down the drainage and up the other side she's over there pacing back and forth you know to get our attention away from her cubs that was her way to protect them gotcha so that kind of blew my mind that there were bears down that low. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like around 2000 feet elevation. So it just, from that point on, I just, I wanted to know why they were down there and just, I wanted to start hunting them. It just, the, it just, I don't, I don't even, I don't know how to explain it. It just made me jump down that direction I still enjoy hunting deer, but it's one of those ex- unexplainable things. Like you just, you just get the bug for it. Right. I mean, I've, yeah, I've gotten just, that. Yeah. It just lit a fire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'd never been that close. You know, when I talk about when I'm walking down, I'm talking about like a little tiny ridge top that's steep on both sides and the trees are coming up from the bottom next to me. And that's how close I was 30 yards from her. Oh, wow. And so it just was, I'd never been that close to a bear until actually this that, year when you know. I took Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and now when I'm walking, I'm always looking in trees because you don't know what's above you. Yep. You know, and they're quiet. So that's just kind of how it went from there on. I just started thinking more and more and more about bears, what they do, where they live. You know, just that's kind of where it went. I feel like you should be goose hunting, man. I can hear those geese back there. <laughs> They're next to this, they come into this pond where I'm kind of, <laughs> we have a lot of wildlife where yeah. I'm, I, you know, from Chico, California within 20 minutes or less, I can be up the mountain and in wildlife and away from people. So I'm sure yeah. a lot of people that listen to your podcast, they probably know where Chico is, you know, Chico state mm-hmm. you know, we used to be the number one party school in the country. Uh, but that's not why I live here. So it's just a, it's just a cool place. Is that where you, is never, that where you grew up? It's where I grew up. I did live in Idaho for a while. Did I lived you? in Idaho Falls. I don't know if you know where that's at. Oh yeah. But I eventually ended up back here. Um, this is where my family's at. So yeah, yeah, that's why I'm here now. That's what I'm always a little perplexed about or confused about with, um, the, the influx of, uh, and I talked about this on, on one of the last episodes with, with Chris down there in California, uh, with, with all these people like leaving California, which I don't blame them. Um, it's, I don't blame them it's confusing sometimes when it's like, man, everybody's like, I, and I guess I, I shouldn't say that cause I did the same. I grew up in Cal or, uh, Utah 
and uh, left left my, all my family still down there. Um, my wife's family's up here in 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 North Idaho, and we've been up here. I've been up. I've been in Idaho more in in my life than I have was ever in Utah. But um, it's just it's just interesting. So many people are so willing to leave their families and and move out of out of state because of how things have gone in California. Uh, but you're you're there and you're you're pretty happy there, huh? Uh, well, that's kind of a trick question. Like I said, I love where I'm at. I don't I don't like a lot of the politics and stuff that happened here. Yeah. Um, it's not anywhere like it was back when I was in my teenage years or early twenties. It's not mm-hmm. like it's it's totally changed. Um, I'm here because. I have two two young kids. My son's three and my daughter's one. And I want them to grow up with my parents, you know, their grandparents. Yep. Like I got to grow up with my grandparents because they were, I mean, they were a huge, they were a huge part of my life. So yeah. Um, if, if my parents weren't here, I, I would move. Sure. So, I mean, that's, that's, we will move eventually. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, when, and if my, if my parents were like, Hey, we're going to sell the house and leave. I'd be like, let's go. House is up. I got the sign already made, you know? So, I mean, that's, uh, and part of me also is like, man, could I leave the bear hunting here? But that's why I fight for it so hard is because it's so good. Yeah. And because I enjoy it so much, if it's gone, what do I have? This, this might be a dumb question. As but as a as a California resident, are you able to? Is this is bear hunting like an over the counter tag or is it a draw or how does that work? It's an over the counter tag, we, and but we don't have a spring season uh, like we should. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, there I think uh, Mike Castillo, hunt me an easy guy. Um, they've got a petition thing going through the commission where they're going to view maybe letting us have a second bear tag for fall season and but keep the quota the way it is but just allow more people to buy a second tag if they want to so there's there's no spring bear hunt in colorado california or i'm sorry Cal- <laughs> i know there's not in yeah, colorado no, uh, <laughs> california no, not, sorry I don't, I don't think we've ever had a spring season here oh wow gotcha remy warren remy warren talked about it on his podcast uh last year that mm-hmm. if california had a spring season, California would be the number one state to hunt. You know, and that's I, a, that's a I've pretty big that. statement from him. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty is. big statement from somebody that's you know an influencer. You know, there's the population here is ridiculous. That dude is an animal, man. Remy's a freaking animal. He uh-huh. is. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah, I, I did hear that. I'm not sure if I heard it from Remy or, or somebody or heard it on Remy's show or, or something, but I, I have heard I'm that. I'm curious that, to know like, if he took any heat for it. <laughs> he, I, I don't know. I, because, you know, Remy's one of those dudes, he's got so much credibility that it's like, why would anybody question him? He's got more hunting experience than, like, anybody I've ever seen. Um, he, I just, I don't know that anybody would give him, he, because he's not wrong. If anybody, I think that a lot of people have a misconception about California that the entire state, and you you actually brought this up before we started recording, that everybody there is, you know, living on the beach and everybody's just a bunch of beach bombs and it's all like San Francisco looking or L.A. looking or or whatever. What, what people, yeah, they think we're all smoking weed. And yeah, and, and it's just and all city and urban. Yeah, yeah. And hey, there's a ton of that. 
don't get me wrong. Yeah, and, and, and but we're not uh, we're not all that way. We don't all live in areas like that. And yeah. that's actually an experience I had when I was in Montana. Uh, you know, I made a couple friends when I was there, and they were really cool dudes. And we were talking, and they're like, "Man, you know what? You guys are not like the typical California, you know, people that we would think." And well, I'm like, well, because California how did you know gets... we were from California? And they're like, oh, we saw your license plate. It's the first thing we saw. Like, Everybody Damn. notices them. When you're in Idaho or Montana, the, the California plates stick out like a sore thumb, man. <laughs> well, when I when I lived in Idaho, I was eating at a restaurant, and this lady that was serving us, she was, where are you guys from? And I'm like, what do you mean? We're, we're from here. She's like, no, you're not. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, you talk different. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you talk different. You, know? you talk different. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, uh, like we're from California. She goes, I could tell you guys just went from around here. Like, oh, I, I, I like, yeah. I like talking about like the differences between, you know, California and, and, and Idaho. It, what's funny even is like North Idaho is totally different than Southern Idaho. Uh, both like culturally and landscape wise, but actually that's what I was trying to get at with with what people's misconception is, uh, because you know there's there's a lot of tourists that come out of California or whatever that what you were talking about they could tell you you weren't from around there, they kind of they kind of taint the the California reputation that when they come and and they're traveling through our states trying to experience nature or whatever. But, well, um, it didn't help that my dad was wearing a shirt that said Idaho on it. She goes, people from Idaho don't wear those shirts. <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah, well, that, probably, that probably didn't help. <laughs> but, but what people don't understand about California that has never been there is California has some awesome country. I mean, there there's some wild backcountry in California and, and some beautiful landscapes that would – it, it really like exemplifies or, or is, a, is a good standard bearer of the American West in a lot of ways. Um, the, it, it, there if are you, you, you don't can, ever think you, of it. Yeah, if you if you come, if somebody was to come to the Chico area where I live, and you were to drive up, let's say, Highway 70, which goes through the Feather River Canyon, mm-hmm. you would not even realize you're in California. You would think that you were in. You know, you would think you're in Idaho or you'd think you're in Colorado. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I mean, it's just gorgeous. Same thing with Highway 32. And it goes up to these beautiful lakes. Um, it's just, and I, actually that's, that's something I was talking to my brother-in-law a little bit off topic about hunting up. It's a D zone in California up in the Feather River area because the, the country up there is brutal. It's mm-hmm. granite, but big pines. Uh, it's just, you know, the, it's just beautiful up there. I'm like, man, I would love to hunt up here. So yeah, yeah. It, I may get into a little bit of this year. You should. I'm not man. piping in those. I'm not piping in that geese sound. So. No, I know. I was gonna say it adds. <laughs> it adds. It's really bolstering your your uh, picture you're painting about California and, and the and the landscape <laughs> not, there. You've got all these. Not that many geese in the <laughs> You've got all the honkers. I'm waiting for a shotgun to 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 go off. But, um. No, <laughs> I've got. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got some unique perspective on California because because of my time in in the military, you know, I went to boot camp down in San Diego uh, and spent some time at Camp Pendleton. And then after they sent me to North Carolina, they flew us back my unit to go to Bridgeport, California, which is like south of uh, Reno a little bit on the California south south of Lake Tahoe. 
What are the? Uh, is that the Sierra? Whatever mountains range that is down there, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Tahoe, Sierras. Tahoe is beautiful. Yeah. And so yeah. if you've been in that area, Tahoe, Lake Tahoe, that area I was just talking about, Highway 70, that's what that whole area looks like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I spent a long time. We went to. They sent us to Winter Survival School. Uh, down there in Bridgeport, California, um, which was a hell of a program. I don't ever want to do that again. Uh, but that's, you know, when when I say I have unique perspective, I don't. I think a lot of people that have never visited California, they've never seen that side of it, that that side of California. Sure, they've seen pictures of Lake Tahoe, but usually what people think of is like Hollywood and San Francisco. Um, and so it, I think it's good to talk about that kind of stuff sometimes and and offer that perspective because. Uh, like like you said, um, I think that there is right. a very a lot of people loud. I think of Lake Tahoe as being in Nevada, also. Yeah, they split. do. Yeah, half so, of it is, and and so I know and because they've been getting pounded with snow lately. Oh, I know. Wait, well, I mean, yeah. Anybody? I don't know. We have too. <laughs> um, I th- I don't even want to talk about snow right now. It's it's a <laughs> it's a sore subject in my life. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a great it's a great discussion topic and and uh you know tahoe is split on that i i know because there's a night that i don't even remember that i spent in a casino on the nevada side of lake tahoe uh (laughs) when i was in the in the marines there and and they let us loose for a weekend that was a bad idea um i want to get back to what you were talking about with your your choice in hunting lower elevations talk about that for a minute well after after that encounter with bears, it was just, you know, I've hunted up in the high elevations as well. And we always see bear sign, you know, you see the bear crap. I mean, that's most, bear crap is probably the, the sign that most people look for because mm-hmm. it's the easiest to see. You know, there's a ton of other things out there that most people will just walk right past it. You know, like can with you, the stomp trails. Yeah. yeah, so stomp trails are... I call them stomp trails. I don't know if that's, it's just, maybe that's what people call them. I don't know, but it's just a trail that looks like it almost, it looks just like human footprints. In fact, the first stomp trail I ever thought or that I saw, that's what I thought it was. I'm like, somebody's been in here when it was wet and, you know, had their boot tracks, you know, put this, you know, these indentations in the ground. But the more that I sat there and, and, you know, look at it, I'm like, this is, this is, this isn't a heat person. This is a bear. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a trail that they will walk on, you know, not necessarily daily, but, you know, and not just one bear, but multiple bears. And they'll wear their, their paws. They'll just wear it into the ground. Sure. In fact, there's some stuff on my Instagram that shows, shows those trails and, and what they look like. And when I run cameras, those are those are trails I look for, and I have a couple trails that uh, last year and the year before, on on this one trail I had, one of them I had 32 bears, 32 different bears in 30 days. Oh wow, man, that's and, a lot of bears. I think, and then five or six regulars. Well, yeah, and then I'm like, that's why that trail is so beat, <laughs> you know, and just yeah. worn. And I just I couldn't believe it. I'd be excited, um, man. <laughs> that so that's bears. something. Yeah, that's something that I'll look for. Um, the longer I, you know, do it, I start noticing more rubs where, you know, a bear will stand up 
and they'll pull on the younger pine trees and they'll rub on them and they'll they'll actually bite the top of a tree mm-hmm. ultimately killing it but it's you know and then you can see the hair on the on the tree or or even just the big pine trees they're rubbing on so once you start to see those things the more you'll notice it or once you see it once once you're out you'll see it all the time mm-hmm. especially you know here in California in certain areas where the population is just crazy. Yeah. So th- those are the two things that I look for. Obviously the scat or, or the, the bear shit, whatever you want to call it. That's a plus as well. Um, Cause you know where they're feeding. So, you know, they're bedding, they're bedding by somewhere close. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah. All those so things, many no, things. That's true. Um, when you're looking for, because you're just to just to clarify, you're hunting bears kind of in a, st- a spot and stock kind of method uh, in the fall. Is that is that fair? Yeah. So from August, mid to late August is when archery opens, uh-huh. and so you can you can hunt during archery. So the bear season here, when an archery season opens, in let's say B zone or C zone or or D zone you can hunt bears archery. The X zones are a little different. It's kind of tricky. I know that sometimes when those zones open, the bears, you can't hunt bears in there. And I've asked fishing game why, and you know, it comes back with different answers. Nobody's, nobody can ever give me an answer of why. I think it's because it's such a premium tag. They don't want people in there. They don't want bear hunters in there disturbing the deer hunters. That's kind of what I've taken from what they've told me. But in the other zones, so when the archery season opens in that zone for deer, you can hunt bears. Huh. And then same thing with rifle. So from late August all the way until the end of December, you can hunt bears until the quota is met. And if, which, if which they, hasn't been met in a long time. Because what's the quota? Like 20? Se- 1,700. 1,700. Okay, so similar to... Well, I don't now all these all these states with bear issues going on. Uh, yeah, it should bear be, it hunting should be issues. higher. Yeah, it should be because there's like thirty thousand bears think, in California. Oh, uh, I think there's over fifty thousand. There probably is. It, what what I'm going off of is when that SB two fifty two came out last year from Senator Weiner down there in San Francisco. Um, I, I kind of went neck deep into this situation and, and that was what I was finding was everybody saying that to, to be safe as an estimate, 25 to 30,000 bears, but most, you know, biologists or whatever are saying that that number is most likely super low. From the biologists and, and I talk to a ton of biologists yearly, multiple times, or just the game wardens when you run into them, mm-hmm. they say the bears in California are 500% overpopulated. Yeah. And that's, every one of them will tell you that. And so, they don't do the research like they used to. You know, so they pull the tooth. They don't even do that anymore. Some people get, I think it comes down to laziness too. Some game wardens will pull the tooth and some of them won't. And from all the bears that I've ever, you know, taken in California, which isn't a ton, I've never even gotten the data back. Oh, really? From how old they are, you know, and stuff like that. So I always take my tooth and I ship it to Madsen's laboratory in Montana to, to know. And they, they, I they know. get you back. What's the oldest bear you've shot? 15 years old. Gosh, I'm always fascinated with the age of bears, man. 
<laughs> and how well and, how long and, they and, go. and and yeah i never i never even thought about it until until i killed my first bear i'm like man i wonder how old this bear is you know and the first bear i shot was nine uh-huh. which is i think that's pretty old i mean yeah heck yeah it, it is and then and then the one that i shot 2020 he's 15 and his teeth were just they were so worn down I was like, I have to know. Yeah. And Madsen's laboratory will get you results in 90 days. Oh, no kidding. I didn't even know about yeah, that. So, so I'm going to ship I'm it off. Send, what, do, what does that cost to ship it off and have them, have them analyze it? 75 bucks, and they'll do five animals. Wow. So whether you do one animal or five, it's $75. So I actually have teeth I'm putting together right now that uh, from the deer we got this year. You know, my nephew shot a nice three by three. You know, my buck, which I, he's just a big fork, but I felt like he was aged and, you know, digressing type thing. Yep. yep. And I'm going to send my bear uh, and I'm going to send a bear from Montana. I'll just, you know, five animals and yeah, just to I mean, see. I mean, even if you had just like a group of buddies, you know, three or four of you that went in and, and paid the 75 together. You can all send the different teeth from from whatever whoever gets what you know. Yeah, um, well, I that's, mean, what, that's, that's super what I'm cheap. Do with my nephew, I'm like, they're gonna charge me anyway, so just let me take the tooth and we'll yeah. find out. Yeah, exactly. It educates you. Yep. Hey, what was that three point? You know, when you looked at that three point, it's gonna help him later and me mm-hmm. judge that animal or judge an animal like that out when we're hunting. Same thing with, with the buck I shot. Same thing with the bear I shot. The bear I took this year with my bow or I keep saying this year, but 2021, mm-hmm. I think that bear was probably, you know, it wasn't as old as the other bears I've taken. He's probably five, six or seven, but that's still a pretty decent bear. I mean, yeah. oh, it was a mature bear. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you could tell by the teeth. I mean, from my experiences with my other bears and having them aged. Now I look at this bear and I go, yeah, this bear is probably not as old. I'm I'm like terrified that I'm gonna get sick of waiting for the right bear and I'm gonna shoot some little dinker at some point just to get my first bear. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. you know what though? Once you once you from my experience and from other people I know, once you get one, once you get that first one under your belt, it's like a whole different world. It's almost like it's not you're not a pro all of you all, you know all of a sudden. I'm not a pro. Sure. But it's just, it seems like it becomes easier and easier to become more successful. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same with anything else you hunt, really. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of get a, you get a feel for what they do and what their, what their, you know, behaviors are and everything else. So, no, that's, that's awesome. Do you have any, uh, I always like to ask this question when we're talking like tips and strategies uh, for hunting. I don't care what the species is, but. As you're a guy that obviously pays attention to the the hunting community and and what's going on and what what people are posting and and whatnot, when it comes to bear hunting, what are like the top one to maybe even three mistakes that bear hunters make that screw them over? I would say probably the first one would be the wind, and that's and that can go with any animal really. Oh yeah. But especially with a bear. I mean, if they wind you, you won't see them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. every situation I've been in, when I've successfully taken a bear, the wind is in my face. And I've, and that's always how I kind of planned it. I always position myself in a good wind, 
you know, good directions mm-hmm. coming at me. And most of the time, you can just sit there and watch them. You know, the bear I took this last year, 2021, that bear had no idea I was there. And, you know, a lot of people say bears are blind. Uh, their, their eyesight's a lot better than you think. Yeah, but that bear, I would agree with that. that. That bear came and did exactly what I thought he was going to do. And I was, I was able, after I slapped myself across the face a couple times, to calm down because <laughs> I was shaking so bad. You know, I made a good shot. And you know was successful. Was was so, this the one you got in California or uh, with your bow? Yeah, I, the bear I got this year, um, twenty seven yards. And were were you like in a tree stand or something? Or no, I was on the ground. On the ground, in a blind, yep. or just kind of sitting in the brush? Just sitting between some rocks. Sweet. <laughs> it was an area I've scouted, and uh, I knew how they came, and they came down to a water pond. Um, you know, and in those lower elevations, especially in August, there's not a ton of water. Mm-hmm. So I knew they were in and out of there. I knew the directions they would come from. And I just kind of set myself in these, in this, in between these oak trees and a couple, well, I'm not talking big rocks. I'm just a couple rocks. It was kind of, I could sit between and be comfortable and have an armrest just while I'm sitting there. Sure. And they come over that little hump and right down this little trail. You know, and I could tell he was he he wasn't the biggest bear that was hitting that pond, but for me, I have never taken a big game animal with my bow, and mm-hmm. so he was good enough for my first one. And he wasn't like he's not a stud bear or anything like that. I'd say he's an average, maybe a little bit above average in my opinion. And so I was like, this is my opportunity. And with with the fires that we were facing last year and all the land closures on. Sierra Pacific, which is a logging company, they closed their land for access. Sure. National Forest was closed. Um, so I was like, this is my opportunity. I better take it and I better not screw it up. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I, I have tree blinds set up up in the National Forest. So, but I've never gotten an opportunity to use them because the, the land the last few years has gotten closed. So I'm like, damn, oh, yeah. you know, so I have tree stands up there that I have never even really sat in. Close because of the fire. set them up. Yeah. So, and I try to, you know, I'm by the bulk. It's closed. I'm not going to go. You know, it's just, you know, I know there's other people that would be like, I'm going anyways, but I don't want to get in trouble. I'm going to lose my hunting privileges. So yeah. I just made do and I'm like, I'm going to go hunt really low where it's, you know, property owned by the state of California that was open. That that kind of gets me back to uh, we didn't really get into like your elevation. Uh, because that that's always a good conversation topic, just because I think a lot of people have it in their mind, especially like people that are new to hunting. The big fascination is backcountry hunting and and getting off the roads and getting way back and and going way up the mountain and and which is all good. It's all it's all well and good. Um, but there is something so I would to be say said. My, I would say the I would say the low elevation. Sorry, the no, low good. elevation area that I'm in, I would consider backcountry. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like I'm just out of town. Um, the area that I that I had that I was hunting in, it takes three hours in your truck to get there on a dirt road. You know, you're not getting there in a two wheel drive, so you're you're way back there. So you're back there, away from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but I'm low elevation, you know, between, I would say 2000 and 2,500 feet is, is where I was at. Um, when I took that bear, I, and the thing is, is that I've taken three bears in that area within a quarter mile of each other. Oh, really? So I know they're there. Yeah. And so that's why I, I keep going back. In fact, my nephew took a great bear there. So, huh. um, we've taken four bears basically out of, basically out of one drainage almost. One of them was out of the drainage a little ways, but, um, they come down there because there's, there's food year round. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a ton for them to eat there. Uh, in fact, when I ran cameras last year, uh, they don't, I don't even, they don't even hibernate. So that's why I think California has big bears and not that other States don't, but I think in California, you know, in certain areas, the bears are going to go into what do they call it? I think it's called a torpor mode where they're not hibernating that, but they may go lay down for a couple weeks at a time, sure. get up, roam around, eat some food. Um, you know, so there's the acorns down there. There's, there's, uh, you know, the manzanita berries. The, um, I think there's choke cherries in there. Um, there's just so much for them to, to just gorge themselves and get super fat. And so by, by late summer, early fall or whatever, it's, is, is it one of those situations where there's, there's more water and food down low? So you're kind of hanging down lower. Uh, so usually those are the areas that I'm in late fall. Mm-hmm. Because I think those bears come down for the acorns and, you know, and I, they just follow the deer when they're migrating. So in August, mm, I wouldn't say there's a ton of bears, not as many bears. I think there's resident bears or local bears, if that's what you want to call them. Mm-hmm. But as the, as the, as it gets later in the year, they do come down there. But I do think the ones that may go hibernate more than others I think they go back up in elevation. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think you're right. But um, my cam, the cameras I run down there prove that they're there all year. Mm-hmm. No, they definitely are. I mean, it's again, when we talk about like misconceptions and, and what, what people get in their mind as, as almost a, a sort of fascination because it's sexier to be like, okay, yeah, I went way into the backcountry, or I went, I went to twelve thousand feet elevation to find this mule deer or, or bear or whatever. Um, there, there's a lot to be said for understanding that, you know, like like where I live, I live at twenty one, twenty two hundred feet elevation or whatever here in Idaho, uh, and I have bears on my property. I also can go to six thousand feet elevation in an hour, and there's bears up there. And it's the same with anything like this. I've been whining about how I got my bow hung up in in a shoulder mounted camera this year. And it, uh, it, you know, I had a, I had a bull screaming in my face at like 20 feet and couldn't shoot him because my, my string was caught up in this camera. And I've been whining about it ever since September. But the, uh, important part of that is, uh, I had spent the days before that going way into the back country, several miles back and where this encounter happened, I was like 300 yards from the dirt road where I parked my truck where I called this bull in. And it was not like crazy elevation. And this I, I, would, I would call it like mid-elevation. So I, I guess that 
the only point I'm trying to make here, especially to new hunters listening, is don't discount low elevation versus high elevation versus backcountry versus within a mile of the road because you could find them uh, anywhere. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. You know, I watch a ton of YouTube videos and, you know, let's just take, for, for example, if you're watching Brian Call or Stealthy Hunter, mm-hmm. every time I watch one of those videos, I'm like, man, I want to I do that. Yeah, there's adventure and, and, in it. And, you, know, and you can do yeah. that. you can do that anywhere. Uh, you can do that here in California. There are bears at you know eight, ten thousand feet, and there are bears down low. But for anybody that's new, or even myself, I find most of my bears and most of my bear tra- trails from walking logging roads. Mm-hmm. And in California, there is a ton of logging roads. So. Then I just start venturing off from the trails I find or, or where I'm finding a lot of bear sign. Then I'll just start expand, you know, basically just make a giant circle just and keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Sure. And just find out either where they're sleeping or, or what they're feeding on. And, you know, so you don't have to, like you said, you don't have to go back country for 10 days to be successful. You can go up there in a pair of jeans and a flannel and, mm-hmm. and kill something. Yep. Um, couldn't agree more. That's one of the, one of the, I guess, common themes of this podcast sometimes is, is simplifying some of that stuff. And granted, when you watch Brian call and lampers go out, you know, 10 miles back and, and, uh, 10,000 feet elevation and they're riding rafts down a river to get to their spot. And, and you know, it's, oh, and, that's, it's, and that's my dream. It looks like it, I want to I mean, do this. It's a I great time. Yeah, me too. I'd uh, love to. Those guys are animals, but they're, you know what? I'm an average guy. Yep. As to oppose where those guys, they're kind of doing it for a living somewhat, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. I can't. So yeah, I can't if either. I was doing that for a living. That's what I'd be doing. Uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be in that raft. I'd be, yeah. you know. Got to be a ball. But, I'd, I'd love to go with Lampers, man. That that dude is just a quiet genius, I think, <laughs> when it comes yeah, to hunting. I've, but. You know, I've, I've kind of chatted with him over Instagram, just, you mm-hmm. know, never like on the phone, but just messaging back and forth and. Super nice dude, down to earth, you oh, know, yeah. willing to give you know information and, and tips and whatnot. Uh, yeah, and not trying to blow his Instagram up with messages, but you know, he's, <laughs> he's going to hit you up. He's going to, dude, quit yeah. advertising my response rate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, Brian Call, same same thing, down to earth. You know, these yeah. guys are, but they they're in a whole different you know, ballpark compared to what I am. Yeah. Their world of hunting is, is a totally different thing than our world of hunting for sure. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not knocking it at all. It's just because I, like, like you said, I'd love to do that kind of adventure for, for going after a bear, but, um, but like I get what you're saying, people that are just wanting to either get in hunting and they're watching videos like that. You don't have to do that to be successful. And I think that that it complicates it in people's mind that are trying to break into hunting. Like, like it's some huge level, uh, entry level barrier or whatever they have to get through to become a hunter because you see all that on those kind of YouTube videos. But the reality is, uh, there's a lot of people that notch a tag on a bear that don't even head to the mountain until two o'clock in the afternoon after work and get one in the afternoon or in the evening. And, and really, uh, the, well, bears are a completely different breed. Uh, I wouldn't say bear hunting is best in the early mornings. It's a late morning yeah. to evening type of animal. So let's talk bear about hunters, that. You could say you're lazy. 
<laughs> yeah, let's talk about that for a minute because I I want to ask you about that. I set like like I told you, I set my bait barrel up, and like you, I had like this little rock cropping that I was hanging out in. And the only downfall, it's a great spot, but the downfall is the nature of the landscape around it and the and, and the way the slope goes is the thermals have to be absolutely perfect with no wind, otherwise that spot is blown. And so I, I'm thinking about moving it to a different spot for that reason because. If, like I said, conditions are right, it's perfect, but uh, the slightest breeze and I'm done. Anyway, the point is, is I set a camera on this barrel and I was expecting, you know, 6 a.m. bears and a, a lot of morning activity. And that did happen periodically, but the most common time was these bears were hitting the barrel between like tw- uh, 10 a.m. and noon and then after 3 o'clock. That was like exactly. the most, the heaviest traffic. Is there? I would say, I would say that's that's pretty much on par with with here. I would say 10 a.m. Maybe I'll go a little earlier. Like 9:30 uh, to noon, ton of bears, and then it's almost like they're on break, nap time, laying mm-hmm. in the bush somewhere, taking a snooze. They get back up, and then they're moving around a little bit more, you know, looking for water or whatever. Three o'clock uh, till dusk. Till, yeah. till dark and yeah like you say you get some bears come through there at midnight or 2 a.m or 3 oh sure yeah i even had one like nocturn- that, nocturnal bear that uh this big fellow that would only come in about three in the morning and you know i not surprising yeah that's why he's big <laughs> yeah the only one i had coming in i, I had that 6 a.m set of bears but it was a it was a sow with cubs she'd come in every morning like clockwork between 6 and 6 30 or so uh, they'd hit the barrel and be there for about a half an hour and then take off. So other than that, it was like what you said. So I'm, I'm glad to hear somebody else talk about that because I've I've mentioned it in the past and had people look at me like I was crazy. Scree gear. Have you guys checked it out yet? Scree is extreme mountain gear. The high-performance hunting attire, scientifically tested, backed by a great company. It's my go-to camo. And of all the discussion we have about all this... Uh, infighting amongst hunters about what kind of gear they choose it's okay to have a favorite as long as we're not fighting about it and my favorite and my proven gear is scree scree is spelled s-k-r-e it's kind of a play on the word from scree rock found at the bottom of a cliff face or something like that and they changed the name and scree gear is a complete layering system for all terrain and conditions gear designed to adapt to the weather it's rugged gear and it's all backed by a lifetime warranty one of of the things i really like about scree is their vip sizing and exchange program order the wrong size pants they don't fit right send them back they'll send you another pair it's all on scree's dime guys it's a great company check them out at screegear.com and use the promo code the western huntsman for 15 percent off and free shipping Hoffman Boots is another show favorite right here at the Western Huntsman. There's lots of good boots out there. Uh, there's a lot of bad boots out there, too. But Hoffman is a proven, proven system that I've been using for a few years. Actually, I've been using them for close to a decade now. And I love the company. I love the story of the company. It's like a family of shoemakers. And it's just a great North Idaho story. It's a great American story. They make a great boot without breaking the bank. Check it out at hoffmanboots.com and use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Don't forget, Phelps Game Calls is my go-to call company. You guys know it. I've been using Phelps for a long time. They're the oldest sponsor on this show. I'd say the flagship line of calls that they have is definitely geared towards elk. And what a great job that they do. 
But don't forget that Phelps Game Calls also has a full line of like waterfowl calls, predator calls. There's things that you can check out on the Phelps website that might surprise you. To include something that is coming up quick for us hunters, which is spring turkey. And I don't know how many of you are into spring turkey hunting, but man, is it a ball. It's a riot. you got to check it out. I love the black bat from Phelps Game Calls. It works very well for me. It's a great little read. And try out the uh, blacktail in distress call uh, when you're hunting bears. I'd love to hear if somebody calls one in that way. I've tried it a few times with, with no luck yet, but the you know we got a whole new season coming up, and it's coming quick, and I'm going to try it again. So check out phelpsgamecalls.com. Use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. If you check out the westernhuntsman.com, you are going to find anything from T-shirts to Tacticam gear and all of that stuff. A portion of those proceeds is going to go towards conservation and fighting against the anti-hunting movement. Plus, you'll be sporting a cool t-shirt that says a Western Huntsman. And now I'm not the greatest t-shirt designer in the world, but I do have a friend that is. And he helped me put together a couple of really cool t-shirts on there. They're up now at thewesternhuntsman.com. And you could check it out. And guys, it, it supports the show. It helps me pay for all this equipment to get these shows out there. And to top it off, we're going to help fight against the anti-hunting movement. And there's a lot of new information and, and big announcements coming up regarding that from the Western Huntsman. So check it out at thewesternhuntsman.com and get you a t-shirt or get you some Tacticam gear. I'd really appreciate it. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. I've learned that from running cameras. Yep. I wouldn't know that. Uh, in fact, I think the year that I saw that bear uh, up there in like 2012, I think later that after that hunt, I went up to, to do a bear hunt. I went up there at like 3 a.m., sat in my truck until it got a little bit light before I started you know, walking around. I look back at that and go, no wonder I didn't see anything. <laughs> you know, they're all sleeping. Yep, but, yep. That's the thing that kind of pisses me off about these these trail camera bands is who would you rather have out there hunting in the woods? Somebody who has set cameras and monitored the behavioral aspect of these wild animals and knows more about them or somebody who doesn't know how these animals act because they've never had like this this process of like I don't care who you are. Having cameras set up and monitoring them will tell you more about what you need to do to become an effective ethical hunter. Than, than anything else. And so I, I struggle a lot. I have friends that are like, they're, they're pro this camera band because they, you know, have this opinion that maybe it's too much technology. They never use cameras and they're still successful and blah, blah, blah. You know, and quite frankly, most of the places that I have cameras are not the places that I end up tagging out, uh, incidentally. So it's, it's, I get what they're saying, but I know a lot about bear behavior that I didn't know two and a half years ago because of cameras. Um, yeah. And so I had, I had somebody message me when I, I did, I did a little post on Instagram about the Utah thing. I had, I had, uh, you know, it was controversial. I'll post controversial stuff. I, I'll yeah, debate. I, I noticed and that I, man. And We're I'm not, talk about and I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to debate and I'm not going to be rude to somebody, but Hey, let's just have a healthy conversation. And I respect whoever's opinion at the end of the day. That's your opinion. I respect it. Yeah. This is my opinion. I hope they respect it. So the, the trail camera thing is, and this, this one guy was saying, you know, you know, it's, you're disturbing the animals. Okay. I, okay. I get, I get your, you know, your, your point there, but what disturbs them more? Should I go up into that spot every day and lay my scent down 
and just me being there is going to disturb those animals more than my camera strapped to a tree. Now the technology you're cheating. Okay. Uh, uh, I can debate that as well. You know, then everything as a hunter that we use gives us an advantage from the boots you wear exactly from the, the pants you wear to the jacket to the scope or the gun or the where, bow or the crossbow. Where is that or, line? Know, that's a that's a it, great point. Where is that line that crosses from, you know, a, a high powered rifle is to, is a technological advancement uh, versus you know a um, a trail camera being too much technology. Like where where is the line? And I know that there is a line because like I I would agree that using drones to locate a herd of elk. Uh, not it is not fair chase, but using a trail camera, I I don't think that the case, and I've I've seen people attempt this, and they and they were very effective, but I'm not convinced that there's a case to be made against trail cameras. I I just don't see it. Uh, I I don't think I think like I think we talked about this before we started recording. Those trail cameras are gonna help you. They help me identify an animal. Mm-hmm. So while I'm sitting there hunting, maybe in that spot, I'm gonna recognize. Okay, this is this is the bear I saw, and this is a sow, and she's got cubs. Yep. Maybe those cubs are 200 yards behind her. So. But you've seen her on the that, camera, it, so you know. It, yeah. So, but if you're not running that camera, okay, here comes a bear, boom, whack, dead. You just shot a sow with cubs, or you know, whatever the case may be. It's it's not. I I have a hard time struggling with the fact that it's that it's cheating, or that yeah. it's. You know, not unfair chase. The drone thing, I get that. I think in California you can use drones to scout, but you can't hunt for 48 hours after using the drone. Yeah, I think that's pretty consistent with a lot of the West. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's exactly 48 hours or, or if you can even use them to scout. Everybody make sure before listening to little old me, uh, you know, check your regs when it comes to a drone, but yeah, and I get no, that. But I mean, like, but what, it's, where is that fine line? Where is the fine uh, line? Yeah, too much technology is Onyx. Too much technology is, exactly. is Go Hunt. Is Go Hunt too much technology because they're telling people, you know, your draw odds or you know whatever. Yeah. I mean, is a rangefinder, uh, you know, is that too much technology? Yeah, it's just kind of like this. The the whole band they're doing with with the predators right now mm-hmm. as soon as they took took the trail camera in utah what are they going to take next yeah your rangefinder. okay it's now and then what's after the rangefinder? now you got to shoot open sights yep then what's going to be after that now you can't use a compound bow and so that's what they're doing with the predators is they're going to start they they did it in california you can't hunt mountain lions then what was next after that then they took hound hunting mm-hmm. then they took bobcat hunting now they want to take bear hunting well, they took bear baiting good, too in California, or, or was that is that is that something uh, that was never a thing? No, I, thought, I, I, thought, I don't think. I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think we've ever been allowed to bait in California. If I was like a big name podcast, I'd have my dude look it up on Google. But I <clears throat> I thought that there was like this progression of, okay, no mountain lion hunting, no baiting of of anything, no. Uh, now we're going to take away hound hunting, and now they're pushing. It seems like this is. It feels like this is going to be an annual thing until they're successful in California to attack bear and predator hunting in general. Uh, started last but year with those, SB two feet. Once those species are gone, yeah. Do you think they're going to stop and not go? Now you ain't, now you guys can't elk hunt. Well, I think that that the the point that you're making that 
I, I think is super important to ram home is the anti-hunting movement as as a movement is a revenue uh, revenue driving cottage industry. So to think that okay they're satisfied that the Humane Society of the United States is satisfied that there's no more bear hunting in California and they're gonna shut up and dissolve right? Nope, they got an not empty the case, pit, man. They're they, just gonna keep. They got empty. They got deep pockets, and their stomach will never be full. They have to. They have to generate that revenue. They have to keep this cottage industry viable for them, and that's they how they do. Basically, have it. to keep. They basically have to keep laundering their money because that's yeah. all they are. Yeah. They don't do anything to benefit wildlife. Uh, they, you know, they're not doing studies, you know, from what I know, and they're not. They're not doing anything they're, they're but not, taking people's cow people's cash that are sitting on a couch that see a commercial on TV at midnight that says, please help save this animal, donate $25 a month, mm-hmm. you know, to save the wolves or whatever. They're not, they're doing, they're, they're robbing people and they're giving them false information. They take data, they skew it. And it, a lot of it's just plain false. And a lot of, and all of it, I guess I can't say all of it, but a lot of it's just flawed. They is, take it, it and manipulate flawed. it. They manipulate it to fit their agenda. It is flawed, and and without bringing becoming too political. But since this is a hunting podcast, I feel like anybody that <laughs> listens to this, hole, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like anybody that listens to this is pretty much a pro Second Amendment kind of kind of person, right? It, it's the same concept, and this might help people relate it to the to the hunting versus anti hunting movement. But it's the same thing. People that are against guns want to spew all this misguided information and what they call facts based in emotion because they feel threatened or or they've created this revenue generating cottage industry to gather or gain uh, revenue and money uh, from from spewing this information on television ads and social media and all this other stuff to get people to donate. What they don't tell you is the cities in the United States of America that have the highest level of gun control also have the highest crime rates and also have the highest murder rates. And it's ludicrous to sit there and say that gun control works as if it's the uh, as if it's just a, an inanimate object. I, I can't even see. I get so mad, dude. I, I get tongue twisted and can't even speak straight. So people, are, you know, they'll, they'll why articulate do you need a gun, you know, stuff like that. Well, yeah, I'll share this quick little story. I live in a good neighborhood and I wouldn't say there's high crime. I'm sure there's crime. I, I have a a concealed carry permit Mm -hmm. and I carry pretty much all the time unless I'm at work because I'm not allowed to at work. But I had a guy try to get into my house. This has probably been a month or so ago. Um, my wife woke me up because we have one of those ring cameras, motion sensor things. She's like, someone's trying to get in our cars. And so I jump out of bed and and go out there. I ran out the door. And I was like, I, don't, I didn't see anybody. And then I ran back inside. And I'm like, are you sure? She goes, he's, he's down the side of the patio. And so at that point, I'm like, all right, I need to, I need to arm myself here because I don't know. And I wasn't like seeking a confrontation. Like, we no, called 911. No. We did all that. You'd have rather stayed I in bed. Out, I, yeah, I looked out the door and, and here he comes around one of the cars. And, and I was like, dude, you got to get out of here. And the guy, 
I guess, and from what the police told me, he was having a medical issue. Um, But I didn't know that. So when I'm telling him back up, back up, and he keeps coming towards me, you know, eventually I shut my front door Mm -hmm. and went inside and was, you know, my wife's on the phone with the police. But then he starts pushing on the door. No kidding. So I'm like, dude, I told dispatch, I'm like, if you come through, the, if this guy comes through the door, I'm going to protect my family. Yeah. You know, and it ended up being that he did have a medical, he was having a medical emergency. I think they think he doubled up on his medication or something like that. But I didn't know that. Yeah. You didn't know. I didn't know. You know, guys over, you know, six foot six. I don't know what his deal is. What's he going to do if he gets inside? Yeah. And grab my wife and grab my child. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that. So when I think everybody in America should own a gun. I do too. Whether you hunt or not. And know how to defense. use it. Watch the news. What's going on in America right now? It's scary. It is. It's super scary, man. And it can happen anywhere. Like there, uh, there's a lot of people in Idaho that have this false sense of security that because we're in Idaho that that we're safe from like mass shootings and and somebody going off the rails with a gun at a at a school or a mall or something like that and it's just not the case and and so it, we're all susceptible to to those kind of crimes and and like you said I I I think every American should be should be armed and know how to use that firearm. And I think that it would it would stop a lot of problems and prevent a lot of uh, you know crimes and, and problems that are that have arised uh, from people being just helpless and disarmed. It's it's just weird to me that people choose to live their life with this dependency that 911 is going to be there fast enough to save your ass. It most likely isn't going to happen. So the point being. Yeah. Is what the the Humane Society of the United States and and other organizations like that. You know, you have the Center for Biological Diversity. Uh, you have, you know, and I, I I talk about this all the time. PETA, in my mind, is is just not a super credible threat anymore because they've just really gone to uh, weird, strange levels that even anti-hunting activists can't even relate to. Uh, but they're still they're still there and they're still you know pose a threat, a possible threat down the road. These organizations <clears throat> use the same kind of propagated messages that these anti-gun organizations use, and and it's it's stretching truths, it's uh, emotionally charged opinions, it is playing to people's egos and emotions all at the same time. And I know that's a that's a strange mix of the two, but it is. And and these people dig in their he- in their heels because their egos have been placated by this propaganda and and they you can you can hit them in the face with all these facts and all this information and data of proven uh, decades of of what is proven to be a successful and sustainable wildlife management system through hunting and they 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 their egos have been fed so effectively by these organizations that they dig their heels in and still claim that it is wrong and hunting is outdated and hunting is wrong and bad for animals and bad for wildlife and mother nature should manage itself. All those are flawed arguments. If mother nature manages itself, you won't have any animals but predators. Oh, exactly. And that's that hunting is humane. Hunting is absolutely humane. Those animals that we, you know, we kill every year, they, they feed our families, they feed our friends, but mm-hmm. it's also, 
that animal more than likely would have died a horrible death of starvation or death by, you know, another predator or, you know, whatever the case may be. In most cases, which, you know, obviously people make bad shots or, or whatever, but it's probably still more humane than, you know, a mountain lion killing a deer or mm-hmm. a boar, a, a male bear killing a sow's cub so that he can breed that sow. Yeah. Nature, nature is savage. cruel to each other. Savage. I mean, it's not, it. they're not all out there cuddled up in the same bed living, you know, this pretty little life. Mm-hmm. No, you're it's exactly cruel right. out there. It's super cruel. So, you know, the whole, the whole anti-movement just blows my mind. But what blows my mind even more is how hunters themselves cannot get behind each other and support each other. No matter where you live, what state you're in, you know, no matter what kind of boots you wear or what kind of gun or bow you shoot, who cares? What? I don't care if you hunt in Birkenstocks. If you want to run trail <laughs> hey, cameras, shout out to my or buddy you guy. I don't care. I'm not going to stand up and be like, you shouldn't use that rangefinder, And I support that. That's too much technology. Yeah. If that's how you want to hunt, go for it. I don't care. Doesn't mean I have to, or, you know, it just, it blows my mind. You know, we got, uh, Charles who started, you know, how for wildlife. I have plastered that on my Instagram and not that mm-hmm. I have, I don't have a huge following, you know, but, why aren't these other companies it's been shared they've been tagged uh why hasn't that site just exploded i mean it is it's growing every day i'll get on there and i'll check it out he's growing by the minute but where's the big name companies yeah where where's why the, why uh, is why are there companies like cabela's and bass pro shops and and yeah, you know these these outdoor brands. I can I, I don't want to get I guess too specific going down the list, but there's a lot of truth to what you're saying and what you're talking no, about. No, so and, you know when you name when I and I and I think I tag Cabela's, Bass Pro, and stuff like that. So when you tag somebody like that, I get it. They don't just sell hunting stuff. They sell in canoes or selling whatever. So they don't want to go down and maybe lose business. But at the same time, people have a short memory. Mm-hmm. So it's also support, support the community that supports you when there's brands out there that specifically are targeting the hunters get behind us. And when I say get behind us, that doesn't mean write a check behind closed doors because that's the easy part. Mm -hmm. Make noise. I want to see vocalism. I want to, and being vocal, dude, if I saw a, a hunting brand, you know, get behind the hunters on situations like this and just spread the information to go to blood origins, go to, go to how for wildlife and they'll put you in contact with who you need to email and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm more likely going to buy their products. Yep. Oh, me too. Totally. They and, have my back. So think of how much money some of the companies could be generating just by making a simple post on their social media platforms that can reach so many people. I get it. Uh, like I had people tell me, you know, cause I had tagged Vortex and I own Vortex and that's part of the reason I tagged them, but I didn't know they did a podcast. I didn't either. I, I won't, I won't. Yeah. See, and Vor- you do Vortex. Podcasts, yeah. 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 But I, I don't listen to every podcast, but no. I follow social, I follow them on social media. So maybe I would have seen something 
if they posted it. And, and maybe they did. I'm not saying that they didn't, and I'm not bashing them at all. But I'm, I'm talking about everybody in general. It from somebody be, with 10 followers to somebody with a million followers. It even should the be guy that's got, Yeah, and even the guy with 10 followers, he's an influencer. We're yep. all influencers. Everybody's an influencer. I, I, I so, actually hate that term, influencer. But, yeah, uh, I hate and, it, too. So, so I've had companies reach out to me. Hey, we're reaching out to influencers like you to try to get sponsored. I'm like, dude, I don't even know your company, and, and I'm not an influencer. But everybody well, is an influencer. I'm not sponsored. And so and I'm not a sponsored hunter. Kind of my on. podcast is sponsored. I, I always like to make that distinction. I am not a sponsored hunter. It's my podcast that, that gets sponsored. Yeah. Um, but so, like, being sponsored or not sponsored, I'm not sponsored, so I'll just say whatever the hell I want. Yeah. And the longer – and I've never, you know, sought out to be sponsored, but the more that I see – companies not getting behind us as hunters it makes me not if somebody even approached me and be like piss off because you know what now i can't say something that whole mentality of the this and it's a new thing it's well it's not actually that new but it it is it is a growing trend among some of the larger corporations and these companies and these brands i'm sick and tired of these brands ramming this marketing down our throats all the time, constantly trying to get our money. They're a business. That's what they're supposed to be doing. But I'm sick and tired of them hiding behind all of that and not standing up for stuff like this. And, you know, and we talked about this before we started recording. I'm sick of having to have episodes like this where all we talk about is dealing with these anti-hunting, specifically the freaking Humane Society of the United States. I hate this organization. And, and I'm... We have got to do something about this organization, but I'm. Well, I, I want to talk about think, about. think about what would happen with. Let's just take how for wildlife. Dot mm-hmm. org. Let's just take that right. Yeah. <clears throat> let's just take that organization, Charles. Imagine if all those brands got behind him, or yeah, multiple companies like that. We could compete. With the Humane Society, exactly. That's that's exactly where I was driving that point. Is they might be like, whoa, got... we don't want to poke that hornet's nest because howforwildlife.org mm-hmm. is controversial. Come after us. It's controversial, and, and I'm sick of these companies being afraid of taking on controversial things. You get our money, we spend a lot of money. I don't need that's thousands of dollars worth of camo to go hunting i'll do it in a pair of jeans but i like the fact that that kind of stuff and i'm not picking on like scree or you know my sponsor or anything like that I, i'm just saying in general it is it is time for these companies to get a backbone and start making taking a stand against these organizations that are against us and seek to destroy us because it is that kind of the, the magnitude of money and funds we need to fight this lies within them. And they they get that kind of money through the everyday well, hunter like if, us. And if you and I can't hunt, I don't need their stuff. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, like, yeah. like so what why, happens so to them? Not, so then I can sell all my stuff on Craigslist for, you know, whatever. Yep. I don't need it anymore because hunting is gone. Hunting is gone, and there's 
even if it's just bear season, where you could say, oh, well, it's just one season. It's just bear season is done. But think of uh, there, there's two ways to look at that. First of all, what about the guys like you and me and the gals like you and me who are passionate about bear hunting? That's a big deal yeah, in our I'm life. Not a, I'm not we a, shouldn't I'm not a have gal. to. We <laughs> shouldn't have to defend our life to people that have never done our lifestyle. This is America. Well, we shouldn't have hear, to defend well, it. it. I always hear it's not going to happen in your lifetime. Yeah, I know. Okay, I, maybe I hear it's that not. Too. I hear that it's too. not. It might not, but it's going to happen in my son's lifetime. Yep. And I want to. Sometimes my wife will give me crap about how much I'm scouting and stuff like that. She knows I'm going to go on hunting trips, but sometimes. She get and I and I don't blame her, but sometimes I'm like, hey, I give her the excuse, and it's not really an excuse; it's the truth. I'm be- I want to become a better hunter so that when my son Henry is old enough to hunt, he gets to go out with his dad and be successful. Yep. Because I mean, I remember being on tons of trips with my family where we got nothing, and yeah, yeah. I still had fun. But the times we did get something, it was like, wow. I want my son to go to school and be like, eh, me and my dad got this big bear. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's those types of memories I want to build with my son. It's and amazing, I want my son man. to be able to do that with his son or daughter. And and that so, the that aspect of hunting is what hunting is all about. Like my, my daughter's got their first deer this year. Uh, truly an amazing experience and has made everything I've done uh, as a hunter worth worth the time, money, and effort. And and what are our generations after us? going to think of us if we don't have a backbone and and take a stand now because like what what I was driving at earlier is is I want to get guys like you on the show to talk hunting strategy and talk tell hunting stories you know help teach from your experience expand the knowledge of other hunters that are looking to get into it out there or or just have friendly hunting banter and share a few laughs and talk hunting in general but instead we find ourselves, and this is this is how it's been every winter now since I've had the show. Uh, is instead we have to have these conversations that are highly contentious and and get me all fired up to the point where I can't even talk straight. <laughs> and, yeah, I'll get, I get there. Uh, you know almost, what I mean? And, almost every day for the yeah, last five days. Yeah, I've been in that, and, and, and it's I'm, I, I mean it's not even healthy. <laughs> it's uh, but I I want to yeah. I just want to have <laughs> hunting conversations, but we have a fight. And, and I don't I don't. I don't post stuff on my Instagram like the I, I made that controversial post. I took a ton of heat for it, but I had way more support for the, the post about, you know, it, and it wasn't an attack on those companies when I posted it and tagged companies. And I pretty much tagged companies um, that I own something of theirs. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't an attack on them that, hey, you don't do anything to help us as a community it was a question and i think it's a fair question it is a fair question where are you where Where are are you you being vocally not writing a check i want to see some i want to see a little bit of vocalism it and uh, one guy goes it's not free it's not free for them to post something okay so be it i'm pretty sure the majority of those companies can afford it it's probably even a tax write-off as advertisement. What does that even that, mean? It's not free. What, what is that like? Uh, make a post. Oh, they gotta make pay somebody to post it and blah oh, blah okay. blah. You know, they're they're paying them to post stuff anyway. So let's get let's get some involvement. Let's get some. Uh, we have to let because how it looks right now, Seth, like from from the anti-hunter fanatical you know extremist perspective, 
is it looks like the little guy like you and I, the the ones that just want to go hunting in the spring and hunting in the fall, it looks like we're on our own. We we yeah. isolated ourselves within the hunting community itself from all our little rivalries that we let get ugly, and our our companies that we buy all our stuff from are silent. Everybody's working towards different goals here and there, and and you know this is a beating a dead horse horse uh, on this show, but it's important stuff, and and that's the perception that we're putting off is we're just isolated and on our own, and and we don't have the money, time, effort, and know how to fight against the lobbying efforts of somebody like HSUS. That's what we've yeah. got to change. We've got to change. And, and where I was going with that post was, or with bringing it up is. I don't enjoy posting about that. Mm-hmm. I, it was more of maybe this will get open some eyeballs of maybe, maybe one of these companies will, because when you tag somebody, it sends them the message and whatever. And I was just like, maybe it'll open one of their eyes. And, you know, there are some companies out there that are speaking up, you know, and have said something and I applaud them. And when I go to buy new gear this year or, you know, a new piece of gear for my stuff, I'm going to look at them. You know, just a thought with that, Seth, is is like how for wildlife and, and even my platform, the Western Huntsman, companies that do stand up and make a difference and help us in this fight should be uh, – should be like – I'm totally drawing a blank on the word um, – they should be known, uh, like how for wildlife recognized. Gosh, that's what it was. <laughs> well, and, and so the companies like that put have it been out there. saying something, or even influencers that have come out, influencers, uh, somebody that's got a ton <laughs> of followers, you know, Cam Haynes has come out and reposted some of my stuff about how for wildlife, mm-hmm. um, uh, Schoolbound TV, um, Jana, she's reposted some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's huge. It's huge. It's super huge. huge. They have 90,000 followers. Cam's got, I think he's got over a million. He might have a couple million. Oh, I know. Think he's about got how like, many eyeballs. He went on Rogan a few that. times, and yeah, his Instagram went nuts, man. But um, it, it's, it, but that's the kind of stuff. Let's recognize those companies, uh, you know, like Hal for Wildlife, companies that have actually stood up with a backbone. Uh, yeah, here's so a tab. I see that, you know? and I will repost it, and I try to put. Me too. But thank you. Thank you, Cam Haynes. Thank yep. you, Skullbound. Thank you, Kafaro. Thank you, Aaron Snyder. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. I want them to see that it's appreciated. Kafaro is and, is a company that needs to be recognized not, for that. It's not gonna go unnoticed. Yep. No, and exactly. It's just it's it is irritating uh that some people just flat out do nothing and mm-hmm. I'll let them explain why they don't. So well, and that's both from from hunters and and from companies and brands. Um, it, it's we're past the point where doing something is going to take a lot more than just simply buying a deer tag uh, and thinking you're you're doing something for wildlife and conservation and and the future of hunting and and passing down. You know, I hear I hear this a lot. You know, protecting our heritage or passing on the the, the heritage of hunting and uh, you know all these things and and getting a, a $35 mem- membership to the RMEF or something. It's all that is great, and I'm not I'm not saying that that you, you need to stop doing that. And in fact, I promote doing more of that. But uh, it, it, we're past a point in which that is enough if we want to have a future and have a generation that looks back on us and says, "Gee, 
I'm sure glad our grandfathers and great grandfathers did this, and and grandmothers um, that did this, and and protected our future as hunters. Because where would we be today if if our uh, grandfathers and great grandfathers and great grandmothers didn't stand up in World War II and stop Hitler and Nazi Germany? Yeah, you know, not yeah. not that I am comparing the magnitude of the destruction of the two. So don't anybody email me and talk about how, you know nasty i am because i made that kind of comparison like let's grow up the comparison is very simple we had people that protected our future we need to protect our people's future and that is just a generational thing that gets passed down each generation has their own fight so that is important shit and and i'm sick of people not having a spine and a backbone and i'm sick of brands not having a spine and a backbone and standing up and helping us with this because if the the people we're up against have a lot more resources than we do individually i had a guy make a comment of <clears throat> they have investors to protect and i was like yeah yeah. Pretty sure we're the biggest investors. Yeah, I don't care about your they, investors. Your investors you know, would probably agree with it anyway. If they're investing in your company, they're well, not going to be a invest, bunch of anti-hunting extremists. Yeah. It's your customers that are your biggest investors. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I would rather much be on this podcast talking about, you know, some awesome bear stories, like you say. But like, like it is going on right now, this is what's in front of us. It is what's and so yep. if you donate to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, great. Keep doing it. If you donate to the CDA California Deer Association, great. Or you know, all these foundations are wonderful. But one thing you can do that's free, and you can donate if you if you if you can, but it's free, is go to How for Wildlife, sign up, send those petitions, or you know, I don't know what I don't know what the correct terminology is if it's a petition or what. It's emails. It, you they're, yeah, they're, they're, you know, formulated emails that, that they insert your name and signature and all that kind of stuff in. It takes like, it takes, uh, when, when I was recording with Chris McKelvey, he was talking do and in like state. three minutes, I had all four of those petitions or emails sent in, in yeah, three minutes. And it was, and it was free. It was free. And totally it probably, free. and it probably does more. And if you donate to the Rocky Mel, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Yep. It's it's it's, it's going to have probably more productive than writing that check or whatever it is once a year to the foundation. Not that people need to stop doing that, but what I'm saying is, here's something well, that's in front of us. It's free. They're different things. Well, those you know? guys, I think I I mean I I don't know exactly where you don't know where your money's going. And and there's I mean, truth to that, but but the missions are are, are different anyway. Like the Rocky Mountain yeah. Elk Foundation, they're they're all about creating habitat and and creating new elk populations and and sustainability for for elk. And you know, same with the Mule Deer Foundation, things like that. That you know that's a conservation aspect. Our the conservation aspect that we're talking about is protecting the future of hunting in a sense yeah. that we're for fighting against the anti-hunting movement. And so it's it. You, it's not like a comparable thing uh, because the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, for example, they do do things to protect the future of hunting. And, and that is part of what they're trying to go for. But their their main bread and butter is the you know protection of habitat and ha- preventing habitat loss and introducing elk in Kentucky and, you know, things like that. Uh, and, and, and it's all necessary. It's all necessary. And that's that's the thing about hunting is it's so large in 
in the spectrum of everything that goes into it. It's all-encompassing. It's not just one thing. we got to protect habitat, but we also have to fight HSUS. And we also have to figure out how to unify hunters and quit ripping each other's throats out. We also have to figure out you know, all these things is the point. It's not just one thing. Well, and anyway. We need to stop attacking each other. We do. Uh, for stupid stuff, you know. Yep. Totally it's just, agree. Who cares what who cares what you wear, what you shoot, or how you hunt? Um if if I see somebody's hunting rights getting attacked, even if it's even if it's something that I don't necessarily hunt species wise or whatever the case may be, I'm not gonna support it because I know they're gonna come for something that I enjoy next. Mm-hmm. You know, and that yep. and that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to do a bear, a bait, a bait hunt this year is I've never done it. And so I want to be able to relate to it. So that's one of the reasons I'm going to try it this year. Yeah. And in 2023, I'm going to try to do a hound hunt, you know, with hounds. Yeah. I've never done, I've never done a hound hunt. Yeah. Not, not in that way. I just want to be able to be like, yeah, you know, what's my favorite. I already know that probably spawn socking is my favorite, but that could change. I know that it's a rush. Everybody's like, oh man, running hounds is awesome. Yeah. And it's running hounds is the same thing as the baiting or the trail cam or whatever. They get to tree that bear and go, uh, we can't, it's a sow. Or yeah. It's a sow with cubs. You know, it's, you're, you're able to identify the animal rather than a, a quick shot. Like, you know, most cases in hunting are, it's usually a, a shit show. You know? <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. I want to be able to relate to all those. I love it. Different I, ways I love hunting. the baiting thing, man. It's fun because you like there's a there's an art. What's form. your go to? What's your go to bait? Okay, so uh, that's what I was gonna tell you. Like, Let's do stop yourself talking about all these assholes. Yeah, yeah. Want to take shit from us? You do know? yourself a favor. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Fuck those guys. That's what I. That's exactly. <laughs> and, um, uh, the anti hunters. Talk about something cool to end this thing on. Do yourself a favor, man, and go to baitem907.com. And get uh, Jess Gann is the owner, and she she is up in Alaska, and she's just like got this. I don't know where it comes from, but this this uh, very scientific brain whiz chemical thing going on where uh, she has figured out like the uh, the science behind what triggers a bear's nose to come and check it out. Okay. And <laughs> this stuff is you got to be careful when you have it. Uh, because I mean, it, it, I, I put it in my shop and that, that shit stunk up my entire shop for months. So I, I put it in these, uh, yellow containers, but anyway, Batum 907 has all sorts of different, um, so does it, so does it smell bad? No, it's, it's a pleasant smell. It's a very sweet smell, but it's overpowering. So it's not a bad okay. smell, but it is overpowering and use, uh, one of your older packs to haul it in because you'll never get the smell out of your pack. And so you don't want that, you know, <laughs> stinking up on, on your elk hunt or something. But uh, it, there's all she's got powders to liquids to gels to sprays to this uh, this scent ball thing that you hang in a tree above your bait barrel. And like all my buddies around here that have more experience than me, they're like, oh, yeah, I set my bait barrel up. I've only had one bear. I set one of those up with the Batum 907, and I'm not shitting you. I had 15 bears in the first 14 days I was there, and and they were all over this thing. Uh, and because of because of what what'd you call it? The, uh, Batum 907 stuff and that, that uh, the scent ball, the scent ball thing that comes with a so rope. So the scent ball, is the scent ball something that releases 
like a um it's this like a smoke into the air no or is they, it just something she that does, just stinks? she does have some of that but this thing is it looks like this giant bell it's like bell shaped and it looks like wax and it's okay. just it just puts off this i don't know if it's a subtle scent it, like when you hold it it's not that stinky but it comes with this plastic wrap. You take the wrap off, hang it in a tree like 15 feet so the, the bears don't get it, which they actually got mine. Rub it on your mine. clothes? You yeah. rub it on your clothes? No, I don't. <laughs> nope. I just I hang it up. I, I do spray the bottom of my boots with uh, some of the sprays that she has. And that was by her recommendation. But um, if you it jump. It sounds like it's good stuff then. Dude, this if stuff is amazing. That many bears. So one, and one then product I, that I was kind of curious about is made by Winsent. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't heard that one. So it looks like it's a product they make, and they make a ton of stuff too, but it looks like a giant vape pen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you put this little thing in there, and it'll it'll smoke little puffs of smoke either once every three minutes or once a minute, or it has a little key fob where you can do it as much as you want. Oh, And so it has this little smoke that goes up into the air. Well, here in California, we cannot bait. I've read the regulations. You cannot bait. And I have not asked a game warning, but in the regulations, it does talk about scents that go into the air like this and Mm -hmm. basically evaporate or do whatever. And it sounds like those are legal here. Okay. But you can't have something that you put on a rock or a stump, you know, like smear it on there, something making Like some tar. Those are not legal in California. Yeah, you can't do that. But it sounds like. Maybe you can use this this type of thing, which I'm going to talk to uh, a game warden that uh, yeah, I you talk should, to every so I, often. I would I clarify that. Name, but, like, how would they regulate a smoke? You, you know? Um, yeah, so if it's legal here, I want to. I kind of want to try it. I uh, would. The guy that I'm going to hunt with in Idaho, I asked him if he's ever used it. Because you can hang it on a little string of rope and hang it in the tree. You know, I think it goes a distance of like 30 or 40 yards from uh-huh. the little key fob thing. And I go, have you ever used this? He goes, dude, I've never. And he's been baiting for 13 years, I think. Uh-huh. He goes, I've never thought about that. And I'm like, when when you start to bait before I come up, I'll send it to you and just try it. Yeah. Because they, I mean, yeah, they only make one uh, scent for bears. Uh, they do stuff for like, I think this is a, uh, I think these guys come from the Midwest because they do stuff for like whitetail. Uh, but anyways, the scent one is donut for bears. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just kind of curious if they work. I bought one. I haven't used it yet. Um, I've never tried one, man. I, I, I use, so I either put popcorn or dog food in the barrel and then I, I cover it all in this Batum 907 product. What are, usually it's that powder stuff. And then I'll like cake the outside of the barrel with the tar, uh, and then I hang the scent ball and I spray the, the weeds and, or, or brush around the barrel with this other stuff that the bears, they come in and they step on it and they rub up against it. And then they drag it four miles off into the other direction and that, that attracts other bears. So, um, yeah, so the bears get it on their feet. Yep, they walk yep, off, yeah. they track it. Another bear hits that trail and goes right. Follows, here. follows it. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, it, I've it, always heard uh, donut oil that they deep fry donuts. Yeah, I've I've, I've got buddies that, that use that. Yeah, I've got buddies that use that, and they they've you know pastries and all sorts of stuff. But I mean, I just it I, looks like I, a giant get, stomachache to me. It, me too, man. <laughs> me too, totally. I just I'm one of those dudes. I get I get stuck on on like when something works well for me, 
I, I stick with it. And this Batum 907, in fact, I ought to get Jess back on the show as we, we get closer to Spring Bear because she's much better at articulating how this stuff works. But um, there is a promo code uh, for you listening in the in the show notes. I don't get paid anything off it. I'm just It's just helping her out, and it gets you a discount. And I think it's Huntsman 10, but check the show notes, make sure. But that will get you like 10% off. Uh, if you guys want that Batum 907 stuff, but I love it. I, I'm I'm gonna get another big shipment in this spring for sure. Because I'll have it, to ask the I'll have to ask the guy that I'm gonna hunt with if uh, if he's ever heard of that stuff. Well, there's a there's another company that's Idaho based that a lot of uh, hunters use here. Four Masters. Yeah, yeah, and I've never used it, but yeah. I, I'm I'm sure it's pretty good too. I, I'm, I I'm think sure. that's I think that's what he. I think that's a lot of what he uses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got I've got friends that use that that swear by it. Um, I think they're down in Pocatello. Yeah, they're somewhere down south, Idaho Falls, Pocatello, uh, somewhere down there. I'm not. I'm Black or, or maybe it's Twin like Falls. I can't remember, but uh, pretty sure uh, the the owner he's a good dude. Um, and you know, for me, it's all relationship. Um, this Jess up in Alaska, she's a friend of mine, you know, introduced through the podcast and uh, stuff works great for me. I'll, I'll stick with that, but I don't have any I problem with anybody running a master either. I think that's probably the best thing mm-hmm. that I've that I've gotten out of social media is friendships. Oh, me too. It's the best bonds that I've made yeah. with other hunters, me some too. of them I've, whom I've never met. Yeah. For sure. And now we chat all the time. It's the same and, with doing this podcast, man. Some of us have man. plans. Some of us have plans to hunt with each other. You know, I mean, so yep. that's probably, you know, and the other thing that I like is I'm not a pro hunter and stuff like that, but I've had a ton of people, not a ton, but I've had, you know, people message me and be like, thank you so much. I never thought about hunting bears. Or I've never been successful hunting bears. I had a couple guys hit me up this year and be like, thanks to you and the stuff that you posted about and bear sign to look for. I was able to harvest my first bear. That shit tugs at my heartstrings. I'm like, this is why I do this. This is why I waste time and get yelled at by my wife and, (laughs) uh, you know, and should be working harder at work is is for comments and messages like that. I know. I, I know exactly how you feel, man. And I, I love every time I get a new, put a new episode out, it, it, it usually means that I have a new friend and, and it's whoever I had on with me. And, um, it, it's the, it's my favorite part of doing this show. Um, so yeah, no, man, I, Seth, this has been awesome. This has been an awesome talk. I, I'd like to, you had a, you need to be like one of the regulars, dude. Can, can we talk about bringing you back on, uh, sometime in like end of March, right before spring bear kicks off to uh, motivate a lot of bear hunters out there and, and give us some more tips and, and tactics and, and things like that. Yeah, that, or you can, uh, or we can chat after my hunt in Idaho. Oh yeah, let's uh, do that. Let's do that. Um, which I'm going out there second weekend of May. Perfect. That's a great time to be in Idaho, man. You going South central or North Idaho? I'm, I'm going, uh, southeast southeast cool man well keep me posted on that uh i know we we've gone pretty long here so i appreciate your time and you coming on and uh, great message i think i think we're we're gonna ruffle some feathers and also wake some people up <laughs> that's hey, the controversy, way I like it. controversy sells man it does it does absolutely. and sometimes it's sometimes you hate to be the one that brings it up and, and stir and pokes that hornet's nest or whatever but at the end of the day if it if it if it 
opens people's eyes and brings attention to whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, and it's usually a good thing. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but my observation is, uh, Seth, that a lot of hunters are waking up, and a lot of hunters are starting to get the message and get involved. They're starting to get fired up. They're sick of being silent. They're sick of being the silent majority that gets beat up around, you know, from from all these anti-hunting organizations and and uh, you know made to look like they're they're just a bunch of murdering hunters and blah 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 and protecting their their future. Future and their hunters. I, f- I feel like hunters are waking up. Uh, well, and that's that's the power of social media. Yep, yep. The the good power. You know, yeah. if we would yeah, have had social media, if we would have had social media like this, and uh, when they were taking away hound hunting here in California, I just think way more people would have known about it. Yeah. Oh, I never sure. knew about for it. Sure. I never knew. Yeah. I didn't know anything was going on. Yeah, it, it was probably a, a two sentence blurb in the newspaper. You know, and so. We've we've got an opportunity here. You know, there's there's people like you, there's there's people like me that have podcasts, there's people with with big followings and and uh and people with small followings and we have an opportunity to put all this together and make an impact and I feel like we're just scratching the surface and I'm noticing more people are getting involved, more people are listening to shows like like this episode in particular. I'm getting messages where people are like, "Well, you know, I, I love the message, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, listen to some hunting tips and strategies and stories and stuff like that. I get that. And we're going to get there. But uh, so we, we have to you, protect we, this first. When we talk again in May, mm-hmm. we'll have an episode of, because I'm going to kill something. I'm just going to go on the record and I'm just going to say You it. ought to just I'll notch probably, your tag. I'll probably jinx myself. Just notch but. your tag right now, dude. It's a done deal. But let's, <laughs> we'll just talk about only that hunt what we did, what we baited with, what time of day we went in, what time of day we went out. I love it. You know, we'll talk just about that. We don't have to talk about the rest of these buttheads that just want to take things from people. I dig it, man. Well, Seth, I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, great conversation. Um, thanks thanks for your time. It's it's uh, people like you willing to, to, you know, take an hour and a half, two hours out of your day and talk to uh, yeah, yeah, a nerd like me, and and get this information out there, and, and have these talks. Is I I do, man. I believe this is this is what's making a difference, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you hitting me up and having me on, man. Anytime. All right, brother. Your Instagram and again, How for Wildlife will be in the show notes, folks. Uh, check check out Seth's Instagram. Instagram, it's a really good one. That's why you have a ton of followers on there. Uh, you post really good stuff, man. I appreciate that. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right, man. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.